being here with us. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. We're continuing talking about uh, the Holy Spirit, who He is and who He ain't, and what He does and what He don't. Last week we talked about the the fruit of the Spirit, of love, joy, peace, patience, on and on and on, and that they're really designed as the, uh, the exterior outward observance of the character of God, that God's character is all of those things, and He wants us to have those things. But more importantly, they help balance out the gifts of the Spirit, that without the right character, we can either over, overuse or underuse the gifts and he doesn't want that to, to be that way. He loves the church. Uh, he calls it his family, calls it his body, calls it this holy temple. And he wants us to be people that flow in the gifts, use the gifts, embrace the gifts. And, and it shouldn't be a, a thing for us where we're like, eh, I, I don't want to do that. Or, um, and, and the reason why is because not only did he pay for it, but if we're going to be the church that Jesus wants us to be, we need to learn to interact well with each other just like our body does. Uh, have you ever, uh, show of hands this morning, have you ever fallen asleep and you wake up in the morning and a part of your body is what we'd call asleep? You ever had that happen? I hate it when it's like your arm and you have to almost like lift up your arm to turn off the alarm and you're like... Or worse, you, your, your ear's all bent over and you, you don't notice it when you're asleep and you get up and you're like, oh man, and it hurts and it hurts. Or, and... That's what happens when we don't function properly is there's parts of the body that feel like we're not connected or parts of the body that get disjointed. They're in pain and they're a little separation. And part of our job is to make sure that the body is healthy and we're the body and we have to start thinking in terms of I'm the body. Church isn't that place I go and those people, which makes it disconnected. Church is me. Church is you. And He's given us these incredible gifts, and, and depending on where you came from, maybe you don't even believe, maybe you never heard this before, maybe you're not even uh, uh, what you call yourself a Christian this morning, these gifts are still for you if you want to partake in that, or you want to be part of that. Uh, again, having a relationship with Jesus Christ allows you to, to work and to move in these gifts, but the, the gifts aren't for God, they're from God, but they're given to us. And he, he lists them all out so that we know what they are and how, what we're supposed to do with them. So we're going to spend quite a bit of time looking at the, the Scripture this morning and, and how to point through these, because I want us to, to not be afraid of this. And, and to paraphrase Second Peter uh, 1.3, it says that God has given us everything we need for a life of holiness and goodness. Now, that's the gifts. We need the gifts. That's part of the everything we need as the church. And I know some people, you get saved and you stop at salvation, but can I tell you, that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. The rest of it is this incredible adventure and the Spirit of God wanting to work on you and through you. And, and yes, it may be a little bit different, but it shouldn't be scary. And, it's, and some of you have heard, well, maybe it's weird or, or whatever. Well, it is weird because... We don't normally have that in our world, but that's what the world needs. They need 
God's people full of God's Spirit operating in God's way according to God's Word. And that's attractive to people. You acting like the world doesn't attract them. They've seen that. They've been there. They've done that. You know, they need to see you on fire for God operating under the, uh, the direction of the Holy Spirit, not being crazy. Like I'm saying, we've all seen shows or maybe you grew up in that church where it was wild. And again, the Holy Spirit can come, and it can be interesting. It can be dynamic, but there's also those times where it goes the other way. <laughs> starts going south, and it can get scary and weird, and I've been there too. And so I want you to understand what the Bible says that it's supposed to look like. And it gives us a big, big, big latitude to be able to understand what the gifts are and how they work. And, uh, and so we're going to get into this here in, in just a minute, but uh, I just thought with a day like today, this can be kind of heavy stuff, so I, I have a little joke for you. Uh, if you can believe it, there is a joke about the gifts of the Spirit. So years and years and years and years and years ago, during the French Revolution, three Christians were caught and were sentenced to death by the guillotine. And one of those Christians had the gift of faith, the other had the gift of prophecy, and the last one had the gift of helps. So the Christian with the gift of faith was decided to be executed first, and he was asked if he wanted to wear a hood over his head. He declined, and he said, I'm not afraid to die. I have faith that God will deliver me. He stepped up. They positioned him under the, the guillotine, put his neck in the chopping block. He looked up at the sharp blade, said a short prayer, and waited confidently. The rope was pulled, but nothing happened. His executioners were amazed, and they believed that this must have been an act of God, so they freed the man and sent him on his way. The Christian with the gift of prophecy was next, and he was positioned under the guillotine and asked also if he wanted a hood. He said, no, I am not afraid to die. I am going to predict that as God delivered my brother, he's going to deliver me as well. And at that, the rope was pulled, and again, nothing happened. Again, the executioners are puzzled and assume that God had intervened and they freed that man as well. The third Christian, the man with the gift of help, was next and he was brought to the guillotine and asked if he wanted to wear a hood and he said, nope, I'm just as brave as the other two ahead of me. The executioners position him face up under the guillotine or about to pull the rope and the man with the gift of help says, hey, wait a minute, I think I found the problem with your guillotine. Thank God for the gift of helps. <laughs> now, we're going to talk about that gift of helps. And a lot of these gifts are not specific for a reason. It doesn't say, if you've got this, you do this at this time, at this place. And, and the reason why is because God isn't going to confine us to a box of when the gifts should be used. They can be used, A, they're not used for you yourself. They're used to help the body of Christ. But that doesn't just mean at Sunday, at church, at 10 a.m. It could be your small group. It could be a small Bible study. It could be you and a couple of your friends praying together. It's designed to help strengthen and encourage the body of Christ, not just the corporate body, but the body at large. And so any two or three coming together is considered enough for church. And that's when those gifts are to be used. But for you to just receive it in the loneliness of your home is useless for you to have that gift unless it's for other people. So join me, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's not going to be on the screen this morning, but I'm going to read it to you. 
It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. So maybe you're ignorant this morning. It doesn't mean you're dumb. It just means you don't know anything about it. And Paul wants to make sure, I want you to know what you're supposed to know. Okay? We're going to skip verse 2, go to verse 3. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus cursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The, there are diversities of gifts. There's lots of different gifts, but they're all from the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but it's from the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works it all in all. But the manifestation, or the outward part that we can see, of the Spirit is given to, read those words with me, each one. So if you are a saved, believing person, you are a candidate to be given the gifts to be used to each one. But notice what they use for. Given to each one for the profit of all of us. It's not for you individually to say, whoo, look at all these gifts I've got. It's for you to say, hey, I've been blessed by this, and I'm going to use it to help others. And that's one of the mistakes. If we don't have the fruit of the Spirit, which talks about love, joy, peace, patience, and understand that that's designed to balance it, pretty soon we get driven by ego, and man, look at this powerful gift I've got, and everybody should be blessed that I've got this. And without the fruit of the Spirit, we overemphasize or underemphasize the gifts of God, and that's when it gets out of kilter. Moving on. For to one, he begins this list, for to one given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through that same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. Notice that he's saying, who's bringing these things? It's the Spirit of God. It's not you. These are supernatural giftings, not your natural ability, okay? And in my Bible, the Spirit is capitalized, so it's not some spirits. We're not talking about Hollywood mediums. We're not talking about soothsayers. We're not talking about palm readers, that kind of spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit of God. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. And to another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues or diversity of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and all, the same Spirit works all these things. He's the giver. He's the one that works it all. Distributing to each one individually, read those last words, as He desires or as he wills. We don't get to call it down. Okay, I'm going to work in the gifts of healing now. doesn't work that way. The Spirit says there's a need in the body. I'm going to send the gift. Now, this is the hard part. The hardest part for us is we've got to be plugged in. We've got to be sensitive to the Spirit, and then we have to be obedient so that when he moves on us and says, I want you to go over and start praying for so-and-so because they've got cancer, you actually got to do it. And when we don't do it, then there's a gap. God sent the answer to a need for the body, but we're disobedient. And sometimes that disobedience is just fear. It's not you saying, I don't care what you say, God. But sometimes that disobedience is just our fear of, well, what if it goes poorly? So let me take the weight of that off of you. If God tells you to go pray for somebody because of their fill-in-the-blank cancer, whatever, it's not going to get any worse because you didn't pray for them. (laughs) If they've got cancer and you don't pray for them, they still have cancer. What are you going to do? You've got the ability to fix it. Now, again, the end result is still with God, right? 
You're just the vehicle. It's like me bringing in a big backhoe here. I could dig a trench by myself, but that takes a long time. He just gives us the equipment, but I still have to be willing to use it. And if we don't, that's like God saying, I brought the backhoe, and we say, yeah, but I shouldn't have to drive it. You just make it work. He wants us to understand, church, that we're part of the solution. And if we're not part of the solution, we can actually be part of the problem. And so what he's saying is, you should care about the people around you. You should care about the needs that get met. You should want and desire for the Holy Spirit to be upon you and to flow through you, to use the gifts. That's why I don't want you to be ignorant about it. And that same gift, nobody gets one permanent gift. It's as the body needs, as the Spirit decides what's needed. This is where it was messed up before. Somebody somewhere thought that we have to have the gifts on display every single day. Well, that could be if there's a lot of needs in the body, but if not, do you go to the doctor when you're not sick? Do you take antibiotics when you don't have bacteria? So why would he send gifts when there's not a need in the body? But what happened is, without the fruit of the Spirit, people just glommed onto the gifts, and they thought, well, I've got to use this gift. I've got to use this gift. I've got to use this gift. But if there's not a need, then it actually puts things out of balance. And you're trying to heal people where no healing is needed. You're trying to interpret things that are being said when there's no word that's being given. Make sense? So let's move into this. Why do we even need the gifts of the Spirit? I'm glad that you asked First of all, they're not our gifts. The Holy Spirit is the source of these things. These are just a manifestation of the Spirit that's revealed in believers. Now, there's the cutting line right there. You just have to be a believer. But without faith in Jesus Christ, without being a follower of Jesus Christ, the gifts are not for you. <clears throat> the gifts are a supernatural that's where they come from. It's not an extension or refinement. I've worked in the medical field, and I could probably see somebody limping in and say, well, they've got something wrong with their leg. That's not supernatural. <laughs> it also doesn't take the gift of prophecy to be able to say, somebody in here this morning has a back problem. Somebody in here this morning, hmm, has some financial issues. I've just heard from the Lord there's some teenagers in here dealing with lust. Does that take prophecy? That just takes knowing human beings, right? A crowd this size, we know some, there's going to be some people with back problems. <laughs> there's going to be some people with money problems. going to be some people with marriage problems. going to be some kids and people with lust problems. Why? Because we're human, but that's not supernatural at all. It's just us seeing the natural world, world around us. So that's not the gifts. Also, we don't own these gifts. They are distributed at the direction of the Holy Spirit to meet specific needs at specific times. He's not going to waste that energy or to bring confusion because if He gives you the gift, that means there's a need for it. It's not just Him saying, hey, let's have a fun day. And let me also say this. The gifts aren't given so that we have better services and have more excitement. The gifts are given to meet specific needs so that the body is taken care of, and we're the body of God. 
Also, the gifts are not for individual purposes. It's designed to edify or to build up and strengthen the body of Christ. Because when we have needs, God has an answer for it if we'll just step in and be part of the solution. Then we feel strengthened. We feel like He's a personal God and we care for each other instead of, I've been coming and praying and asking for healing and nothing happens. Nobody prays with me. I, I wish I, I felt like something's going to happen. I believe God has an answer. And somewhere we, we turn this outside in. There's people now that look at the world and say, well, if there's such a great God, why do we have poverty and problems? And I believe he had an answer for those problems, us. But we have to be part of the solution. Instead of thinking there's some government programmer that God is just going to supernaturally fix every marriage. No, he can. He's God. But you know what he uses most? You and me to step in as people who love, step in as people who can allow the Holy Spirit to make us more than we are to give what God wants for us to have. We're going to break this down. There's like three different areas of, of these different gifts. We're going to talk about this first one. These are gifts of revelation. <clears throat> now, before we, before we launch into this, I want us to pray again. I know we've prayed a lot this morning, but this, this topic if we'll follow it biblically, should be so clear and so freeing and so empowering. And yet I found every time I've preached on this stuff, there's confusion and questions because somebody heard or somebody learned or somebody preached or somebody taught, and they did it differently than the Bible. And now, get me, I don't know how this happens. Now they question me reading it out of the Scriptures like I did it wrong. Well, that's not how I learned. Well, if I just read you the Scripture and you learned a different way, who's wrong? Bing, bing, bing. And the person probably didn't do it on purpose. They were doing it what they thought was best, but I'm just going to read the Scriptures to you and tell you how it's supposed to function. Not through my filter. Not through some denominational filter, but just as God wanted us to read it through the Word. So take off your filters, and that's what we're going to pray right here. Lord, I pray that there'd be no confusion. I'd pray there'd be no condemnation. I'd pray that there wouldn't be a bias, but that we would truly open up our hearts and our minds to receive your Scripture for what it says and how it says it, and then we'll be healthy and balanced, and will give you glory, and the body will be strengthened. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we go. Gifts of Revelation. Are you ready? Now, these are right from the Scripture. So, the gift of wisdom. He spoke about that, right? Now, this means that something you don't know, it's you having wisdom that, I mean, how did I know that? God has the ability to give you this. This is the God-given ability to perceive supernatural wisdom from God when needed. It doesn't mean you're going to be able to guess the lottery numbers. It doesn't mean that you now don't have to go to the doctor because you can just figure it out. It's for you to know how to tell somebody, fill in the blank. Somebody comes and says, man, I'm just struggling with, and you're like, well, I don't know, but let's pray. And God gives a gift of wisdom, and you say, I think that the problem is because God gave you, and it's like, I don't know where that came from, but let's try this. That's the gift of wisdom. Then we've got the gift of knowledge, and this is that ability to receive revelation, facts, information from God, which are, in, which are inhumanly possible 
for you to know. I've seen this at work, and, and it's scary. Scary for the person doing it. Where God says, I want you to go tell that person that the thing that happened to them when they were six isn't going to hold them back. Well, what happened to them when they were six? You don't need to know. So now imagine going, because you heard that this is what God said to do. You're going to walk up to that person and say, that thing that happened to you when you were six, and they just break down and start crying, because they know what happened to them when they were six, but you don't have a clue. And it's giving God the glory so that that person can be healed and be able to move forward, and you don't get the glory because you didn't know what he was talking about. You're just the mouthpiece for the moment. That's what he's talking about. Something that you couldn't possibly know in your human brain, he gives the knowledge of what to do, what to say, how to respond. Then there's discerning of spirits. This is the ability to recognize what spirits behind different, acti- different manifestations activities. The Bible is full of this from uh, epilepsy, flowing on the ground, from men that are possessed that can't be chained and, and break free and all kinds of strange stuff. The Bible gives discerning of spirits. Sometimes it's even stuff that's not so radical. But I think what happens is we overlook the spiritual nowadays and we go right to pharmaceutical. (laughs) And if you're struggling with this, it's not a slight against you, but I just want you to think about this for just a minute. If you ever watch the television, you'll see that we have more and more and more and more and more pharmacy meds for almost everything with a three-page list of side effects. Not only that, specifically those that are dealing with depression, and they say crazy things like this, if you've been taking your depression medicine and it's not working, maybe you should try another medicine. Maybe it's a spiritual issue. For some, it is a chemical imbalance. There is clinical depression. Fully acknowledge it, and I understand it. But for some of you, no matter what you take, it keeps going and keeps getting worse. Maybe it's not a pharmaceutical problem. Maybe it's not a chemical problem. Maybe you and God need to have some knee time. And maybe we need to intervene as a church and say, this is a spiritual problem that's plaguing your mind and ruining your life. And we need to understand that there are spiritual things that affect us physically. Whether you think that's all woo voodoo stuff or not, this is Bible. This is what we should believe that God sends the cure for us to pray and intercede and believe that what He says is true and that He can heal us. I love the part where it said there's a man that was possessed by demons and it said that Jesus prayed over him and it said, and he was fully clothed and in his right mind. He took somebody that had such erratic behavior that everybody just tried to stop the symptoms. Let's just chain him up so he can't scare us anymore. Let's just get rid of him, push him out of the town so he's not making us worried anymore. And Jesus said, this is a spiritual problem. Prayed with him, had a discussion with him, and the man was clothed and in his right mind. Discerning of spirits. Now we move to gifts of inspiration. And these are the ones, for whatever reason, they're designed for inspiration, but not only our flesh, but the devil gets in this, and he makes this the biggest mess of them all. Just understand that 
what science says for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. That's a God-given ability too. There's the law of cause and effect. The Bible just says something simple like this. What you sow, you'll reap. You sow a bunch of mess, you're going to reap a bunch of mess, no matter how good, no matter how great, no matter whatever. And so I want you to understand that usually what God wants for inspiration to inspire us, our flesh wants to degradate that and it wants to make it focused on us or wants to twist it for its own purposes, and the enemy gets in and he helps all that he can because he doesn't want the church empowered and he doesn't want the church inspired. So here we go. Some, some touchy stuff this morning, but we're going to talk about it as though the Bible were true. First of all, the gifts of tongues. This is the ability for a believer to speak in a language that is unknown to them. So if you took Spanish in high school, you don't have the gift of tongues. You learned how to speak Spanish. Okay? But it's one that you don't know. So I'm going to ask you to turn with me, Acts chapter 2 real quick. We see this on display. Verses 1 through 4, real quick, says this. When the day of Pentecost, that's coming up in just a few weeks, had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues. So he's showing them a physical thing. You're going to have more than one speech. That's what he's saying. They look like fire. And one of them sat on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Look at the last part. As the Spirit gave them utterance. So if you can turn this gift off and on at your discretion, it isn't the gift. That's what the Bible says, right? at the Spirit's discretion. Because I've met people, you've probably met people, they just turn it on, and they can be talking to you like, seeming like a normal person, and all of a sudden they're like, Rondai, Shondai, what about gay? It's like, I have no idea what you're saying, and that's kind of weird. And then they say, well, it's because you're not spiritual enough. That's the gift of tongues. No, it's not. If I speak English and you speak English, I don't need to speak in a foreign language for you to understand what I'm saying. How do we prove this? Let's look at the Scriptures. There's dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation. So again, all these different cultures, all these different languages. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. They were confused. Why were they confused? Because they heard these fishermen, these untrained Jews, speaking in their own language. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because the message was so important that God didn't want people that didn't understand Hebrew to miss it. Now hang on with me for just a minute. If everybody in Jerusalem that morning were Hebrew, guess what they would have spoken? Hebrew! Because the message was so important, He didn't want them to miss it. So if we're looking out this morning and we all are English-speaking people, what is the best way for us to communicate to each other? 
English, thank you, or American, because we really don't speak English, do we? We don't have a proper British accent where we take tea in the morning, do we? And we say our words differently as we enunciate and different. We speak American with a lot of slang and a lot of slurs. And so when we speak to each other, how should we speak? In American. It's the best way for us to communicate to the people. Now, here's where this gets great. You're on a mission trip. You're someplace on a trip, and you run into people that don't speak American. And God has a message for them that he's going to use you. Guess when the gift of tongues comes to bear? All of a sudden, you know how to speak Swahili. Not with Google Translate. <laughs> and not because you've been uh, practicing up, but a specific need for a specific time through specific people. And God gives the gifts of tongues and you speak the glories of God so that people that don't understand your native language can hear what God wants them to know. That's what the Bible's saying. Let's go. They're amazed. Verse 8, how is it that we hear each of them speaking in the language in which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. Look what they're saying. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Now, how simple is that, right? Very clear cut. Right? They were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Now, I want you to see how human this is, because if I wrote the Bible, I wouldn't put this in there, because this is bad press. Not everybody thought it was so cool. Read the next verse. Other people were mocking, saying, they're drunk. These dudes are completely wasted. That's why we don't understand what they're saying. It sounded like gibberish to those that didn't believe. Amazing. Amazing. Now, how is this supposed to be deployed? Great question. I'm going to ask you to go back to 1 Corinthians real quick. Chapter 14. I want to spend some time here because these, again, are the ones that give us the most problems. We won't spend too much time. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, look what he says. Mine actually has a header that says prophecy in tongues. It's so important, he wants us to know. Notice what he says. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that of tongues. Is that what your Bible says? Mine doesn't say that. If we're going to desire anything, we should desire prophecy, which is the telling of God's Word out loud. This is where, again, if we don't balance this, we have an overemphasis that everything's about this gift, and it's not designed that way. They all carry the same weight. He wants us to have the right focus. Why? For he who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men, but to God. He's talking about praying in a prayer language, in tongues, for no one understands him. Look at this. This is so clear, and yet people have missed it. 
When we speak to somebody that doesn't know our language in another language, they don't know what we're saying. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies or speaks God's word out loud speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue, read that, edifies himself. What were the gifts designed to be used for, for ourselves? No. So he's not talking about blabbing out a language that we don't know and that nobody can get an understanding of what you're saying. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Now he goes on, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Again, that prayer type style, but even more that you would prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So it puts it all in there. How is this supposed to function? It's supposed to function like this. If you've got a whole group of church, you're traveling like they did in those days, and you're going to speak the words of God, and most of your people there don't even understand the language you speak, the gifts of tongues is necessary, just like it is today. It's not going away, but we just have to understand its use and its purpose. And that way, it brings health, and it brings the ability for us to share Secondly, interpretation. This is when somebody's speaking in a tongue that you don't know, but now you know what they said. This happened with those people that were believers. They heard in their own language. And that can be weird. All of a sudden, you didn't know it, but this person was talking to you. It sounded like they were speaking American, and you're wondering, how did you learn to speak so well? And they don't speak your language, but you heard it. Then there's prophecy. This is the ability to speak forth a message from God, which is received from the Holy Spirit. He tells you to share a message. This is why you need the interpretation and the gifts of tongues. Because if you're going to prophesy to people who need to hear the Word of God, but they don't speak your language, you better have somebody that can move in the gifts of tongues and somebody that can move in the gifts of interpretation. Because it's God's Word and it's too important for us to miss. You see what he's doing? Then we've got gifts of demonstration. These have been a little bit abused as well, and and there are similar gifts that are talked about in Ephesians chapter 4, Romans chapter 12. But notice that he said this at the very beginning, we should pursue love. These should be used out of love, not selfishness, not out of pride, not for some pecking order, but we pursue these things out of love. So this this last set here of, of gifts is the ability to believe God for the impossible. This is not just normal faith. Well, I've got faith in God. This is like everybody else has given up. We don't know what to do. I'm done praying. Then you've got this person with the gift of faith that says, we're going to believe until we see God move. And that's very needed today, isn't it? We need the gift of faith in people, don't we? And then we've got the gifts of healing. This is to impart healing for the physical body at certain and specific times. Again, If nobody's sick in the house, the gift of healing probably isn't needed during the time. But when there is, somebody, God can allow you to move in the gifts, and you don't have to have a medical background. You don't have to know anything about it. See, that's where we start getting it confused in our mind. We're like, well, I don't know anything about impetigo. You don't need to know anything about impetigo. All you need to know is God. (laughs) 
And you go and you pray for that person, believing in faith, God heal him in Jesus' name. And you're not the person that heals him. It's God. You're just the vessel that he flows through. And then we're not responsible for the result. We just have to be obedient enough to get out of our seat and go pray. That's the hard part. Because he doesn't wait for you to get calm and can, and can uh, feel good about it, right? It's usually in a time where everybody be watching me. Yep, that's why it's called faith. Because I've prayed for people in faith and they've died. But that's not my problem. God, right? But I want to make sure that I have no regrets. Actually, uh, shut down a church service early to go pray in faith for a woman. She was in the hospital. Uh, I, I took the chance of getting fired. My pastor was gone, turned the service over to me for the evening service. I knew this lady. It was huge in our church, in our community. And I said, you know, let's just act on this. And took off the mic, said, church is dismissed. Let's all meet at the hospital, and we're going to pray for her. And what's amazing is that not everybody went. I was naive at the time. Well, of course everybody's going to go, eh. Everybody else is like, church is out early. Woo, let's go to the lake. But we went, and we prayed, and it was incredible. And she died. Not that moment. But we have to just remember, I don't have any regrets about doing that. I acted in faith. I wanted to see her healed. I wanted to see God glorified. And I don't have to bear the, oh, I'm the one that killed her. Nope, I went and prayed for her. We can do that too. And then we got the gift of miracles. This is the ability to perform what's humanly impossible. We see it throughout the Old and the New Testament from turning blood to water and, and staffs into snakes and Jesus walking on water and making more bread out of bread and all kinds of stuff that is humanly impossible and yet God still works through miracles. And we can't give up on this. There's some that believe, I don't know where they get it, there's some that believe that was for a certain time and the gifts aren't for us today. It's not what the Bible says. So let's be biblical Christians that practice what the Bible says. And I'm not telling you that it gets easier. I'm just telling you you've got to have faith and obedience to respond that way. And the first step, of course, is salvation because without it you won't work in the gifts, but it takes you to be willing to get out of your comfort zone when God says, Ken, I want you to come and pray for Susie. Can't I pray from right here? Nope. I want you to go and pray with her, not just for her. But it's worship time. Yep. People will see me. Yep. What if she doesn't get healed? Not your problem. You just have to step out by faith. Do any of these. And that's the biggest part of this is he's given all these gifts, and if we're not careful, we begin to exalt one over the other. And the Bible says they're all equal, all valued, all to be used in the body to keep it strong and healthy, just like our immune system, just like our muscles. But when we overemphasize or underemphasize, 
were leaving us out of balance, unhinged and disjointed. But it doesn't have to be that way. And I just want to remind you, he doesn't need your ability. If, if it's your ability, it's not the Holy Spirit. He just needs your availability. Just step out. And it can be scary because we get worried about, what if I do it wrong? If you'll just be willing and yield, you won't do it wrong. If you'll just pursue love, that person needs to know how much I love them and how much God loves them. It won't be wrong. You can't pray the wrong way. You won't do the wrong thing. Just trust. You won't do the wrong thing. Now, you're doing it to be seen. You're doing it so that people think something about you. You can do it wrong, and you can hurt people. But if you're pursuing love when you use the gifts, it'll be right. And that's why he doesn't say there's a specific patterned way to do this. It's like you just pursue love wherever it's at. It can be in the Walmart parking lot, and somebody you know needs you. You can go and pray. It can be in the foyer. It can be at your job site, wherever that believers are together, and you can move and flow in the gifts if you're yielded and if you're willing. 